Welcome to Babel Undone, a podcast created by Premier in partnership with Archbishop Joseph D'Souza and the Good Shepherd Church of India. Bishop D'Souza is a renowned Christian intellectual and civil rights activist from India who leads the Good Shepherd Movement and the All India Christian Council. And I'm Johnny Moore, an American evangelical who serves as the president of the Congress of Christian Leaders and JDA Worldwide. We live in an interconnected world where the questions are complex. So on every episode of Babel Undone, Bishop D'Souza and I aim to bring the global church together in conversation about an important issue facing everyone. And we do it from different perspectives. Bishop comes from the East and I come from the West. So naturally, we meet in London. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about the clash of cultures and uh, our our laboratory is going to be uh, your country the most populated country in the world and our teacher is going to be uh, one of the uh, leading uh, Indian intellectuals a name uh, that uh, may be new to some uh, listening to us uh, today from my country South America or other places uh, but is um, a, a name uh, virtually everyone knows uh, in, in in the Republic of, of India. Uh, he's a lifelong defender of of human rights of the Dalits, uh, just like you are, um, Bishop D'Souza. And uh, I, I I believe uh, over the next few minutes we're we're all going to have uh, lots of new ways of thinking about the world as this uh, great intellectual provokes us to uh, to to see it through through uh, different lenses. Yeah, Johnny. Uh, you know, if uh, I, if I was leaving. In the time of the great Dr. B. R. Ambedkar, the Dalit leader who gave us the constitution and brought a certain degree of emancipation to the untouchables, Dalits, and uh, framed our constitution to give equality, etc., I would have wanted to be around Ambedkar to understand you know, who he was, what he was about, etc. Because what is what he was discussing and talking about was so much of the kingdom uh, realities and what Jesus promised the kingdom would bring on this earth. Now, I had the privilege 25 years ago to run into my dear friend and brother Kancha, Elias Shepherd. Because he, then I knew his, him as Kancha Elias, and then he changed his name uh, to surname to Shepherd some years ago, and, and that, that's a very fascinating story, and I trust he will uh, talk a little bit about that. He uh, He's considered as one of the great uh, political uh, theorists of our time. He taught and headed up the political science department in the University of uh, Osmania, has written many books, and really after Ambedkar, is the leading intellectual globally uh, to to raise the issue of human discrimination, uh, which for the global audience is about race. For the South Asian audience, it's about caste. And I think we are going to have a great discussion because he's written this book about the clash of cultures and put a prism and light on something that we have not seen, that in fact the world has two major clash of cultures going on but their size. One is of course Islam and Christianity, the Christian faith. But the other in the 1.4 billion people of India is between Islam, extremist Islam and what Kancha calls uh, extremist mullahism. So it's a term 
country is a genius for coining new terms. So he's ca- calling this mullahism, and basically says it's the heads, it's the top, which are leading us to clashes, confrontation, rather than reforming themselves. And he is uh, joining us now, uh, Kancha Elia Shepherd. So, uh, Kancha, our, our audience is uh, diverse. It's uh, it's it's global. People from South America uh, to uh, the the <laughs> to the North Pole. If there's someone up there, could be listening to us. And um, not everyone uh, knows you uh, in the way uh, that we that we know you. Um, uh, and and so I, I think it's it's always interesting to sort of ask a, a, a general question, uh, which is very simply, who is uh, Kancha Alaya? Well, uh, my name is uh, Kancha Alaya Shepard. Uh, the last uh, uh, name Shepard I only adopted uh, because that is my. Uh, historical uh, occupational base where from my parents grandparents uh, came from and they were shepherding sheep and goat for a long time in our generational history so uh, I have been a professor of political science in Osmania University for uh, more than uh, 36 years Thereafter, uh, uh, I became a director of a major research center in one of the central universities uh, to do research on uh, minorities, particularly focusing around Muslims. And then I have uh, written uh, several books. I have about 10 books in the market. My first major book was uh, Why I'm Not a Hindu. Uh, That was published in 1996. It was a bestseller. And then later on followed uh, that, I wrote a major research work uh, uh, with a title Post-Hindu India uh, with uh, a narrative that uh, tells that the caste and untouchability and the hierarchical uh, indignity of labor that the caste society was constructed by the uh, ancient uh, Hindu scriptures and most of the Brahmin writers went with the idea that, you know, the Dalits, the shoemakers and the leather workers were most polluted people, both uh, in the eyes of God as well as in the eyes of society and in the practice. But thereafter, you know, there are various layers. For example, my own community, which is a very noble uh, profession that we follow, uh, shepherding uh, and cattle rearing, but we were also treated, uh, though not untouchable, but uh, very, very low, uh, uh, l- you know, lower rung uh, social base people, 
uh, we were not supposed to read uh, the Hindu scriptures called Vedas in Sanskrit language. And we were not supposed to become a priest or even enter the temple till the modern times. Uh, perhaps after the British came and ruled India for 200 years or so, uh, there was some uh, entry to the Shudra community, uh, which is the largest chunk of Indian society uh, that encompasses uh, except the untouchables and the tribals who still live in the forest zones and semi-forest zones. The Shudras were uh, the largest community now in terms of population are about uh, 800 million people. So there are uh, tillers of the land, there are carpenters, there are uh, clothes washing communities, so on and so forth. So above this, uh, there is this business community called Vaishyas, uh, which is actually presently the Delhi uh, rulers like Narendra Modi and our home minister and many of all our big industries are the Banya uh, business community. Now this, uh, what they call historically fourfold Varna system, Brahmins on the top, Kshatriyas as rulers, the Vaishyas as business community, uh, the Shudras as uh, food producers, animal grazing community, and uh, uh, all artisanal, uh, you know, they were all supposed to be very, very uh, oppressed, uh, um, underclass people. Below them were untouchables. Uh, so what I've been doing for the last uh, almost 40 years in my career, after Ambedkar, and we had a major figure in the, the 19th century called Mahatma Pule and his wife, the first woman teacher of India during the uh, British regime itself, uh, they started fighting against the caste system, writing uh, a, 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 a discourse that uh, uh, started asking for human equality and justice. So God in Hinduism was never seen as a God of justice, but God of weapons against us, and we were not supposed to ask for equal rights or human rights or spiritual right, political rights. So I've been mean, uh, uh, perhaps the only major writer after Ambedkar uh, consistently uh, writing and doing activism, uh, fighting against untouchability. And of course, uh, my friend Joseph and uh, All India Christian Council has also been doing this. Along with this, I was also working for spreading English medium education in the villages. And um, both uh, Joseph and me 
conceptualized this uh, Good Shepherd English medium schools, and uh, Joseph has done phenomenal work uh, for the last uh, 25 years, uh, establishing about uh, 1,000 and odd English medium schools. Uh, Kancha won't say this about himself, <laughs> but as an observer, and I, I, I say this in public realms and I write, uh, after Ambedkar, who was the great fighter against caste and a scholar of immense, and we consider him as the, I consider him and many consider him as actually the main founder of modern India, along uh-huh. with Nehru and Gandhi, these three uh, people, right? After Ambedkar, if anybody has done phenomenal amount of work campaigning, and as he said, 40 years. We just talked to a lady this morning for 40 years. Yes. She has been <laughs> it's a, it's a theme. religious <laughs> freedom. Here's a man for 40 years. He has, he has done phenomenal work. And I am observing the impact of his work. Mm. When it comes to the English medium school, we have 100 schools, right? But he impacted us. We, we started this campaign. And what he just said in passing is phenomenal. Four, four states have now decided that their children will have English and local mother tongue language education mm. right from the beginning. So he's, the impact is on the state policy as well. And and this work goes. But Kancha, uh, I was yeah. I was there with you with the, for the book release of um, The Clash of Cultures. And that's what we want to talk to you about. Okay. Uh, the world and our audience will know about the clash of civilization. Uh, and they always think it's about Islam versus Christianity. So we're not going to talk about that. You rightly have identified another equally significant clash of civilization which affects 1.3 billion people or more people, and ultimately it will affect the globe, which is what you describe here in the class of culture, the clash of productive masses versus Hindutva and mullah conflicting ethics. So what you have done is you have taken, you say there is a conflict between Hindutva and the mullahs, Mullahism, what you describe, some you know people have all kinds of. So we want to, you talk about it. How did you come to see that India is going through this massive clash between uh, the proponents of Hindutva and the proponents of Mullahism, and how your people have to respond to this? Well, Joseph, you know uh, when that famous American writer wrote about clash of civilization which might lead to third world war over a period of time uh, I thought that uh, the book's title is, is a misnomer because uh, more than civilization it is there is a problem of culture now each religion has its own culture of uh, the human relationship with God. For example, the Muslims talk about the human relationship with Allah, and uh, the Hindus talk about human relationship with multiple gods. And then the relationship of human beings, uh, not only to God, but to the production to the social relationships and 
the man-woman relationships within that. So what I studied, particularly when I was in this uh, Maulana Azad uh, Urdu University as a director, and carefully studied the Muslim society, Quran, and uh, looked at the Muslim world. Because you know, India is in between actually Muslim world. Even in the East, we have Bangladesh, uh, Indonesia, uh, 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 so, and in the West, we have several Muslim nations, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and up to Saudi Arabia, and so on. So, the Indian population over a period of time, uh, by the time India became independent, about 34% of Indians became Muslims. So the influence of Islam on India was much stronger, though Islam came to India much later than Christianity. So Christian population then or even now, it is uh, less than uh, 3%. So one problem with both the the Brahmin priest uh, craft, what we call the, the priests who handle the religion, and the Muslim mullahs who handle the religion in India, uh, are against any reform. So that is the problem. Now, this anti-reform a spiritual culture that they built uh, within these two religions are constantly heading towards clash. Uh, it will, maybe it is in relation to, see, Muslims eat beef and the Brahminic people uh, create huge legal problem, social problem with beef eating. The Muslims uh, don't eat pork, but that is also a problem with the Shudras, Dalits, Adivasis, because they have a food culture of a variety of uh, meats, foods, eating and surviving, because uh, India is a country of 1.4 uh, billion people. Now. Uh, all over the world, the Muslim society registered reformation because of the mullahs. In my view, if there is Talibanism, if there is a terrorism coming, uh, emerging from the fold of society, the reason is the, the preachers of Islamic uh, culture, ethic, and the the Quranic uh, thought, and their relationship to Allah and so on, is completely struck uh, with you know feudalism and free feudalism. And um, on the other side, the Brahminic uh, culture is also the same. Now both of them have become a hurdle for agrarian production, 
and uh, human relations getting synthesized with equality at various levels and this has led india to a constant clash of cultures uh in pre 1947 india when even the british was there in some extent and later on it much more so when i'm talking about clash of cultures unlike clash of civilization you know the muslim world also uses the technology that the christian world constructed whether if they if bin laden used an aeroplane to attack uh, the world trade center it is not that the muslim society built the science of uh, constructing aeroplanes no the the science came from the same christian uh, you know democratic societies whereas within muslim world uh, there is no space for democracy as a system a uh, constitutionalism uh, as a secular idea is is hardly uh, in existence there except in few countries like malaysia singapore and indonesia pakistan off and on democratic bangladesh off and on democratic and dictated whereas india because of ambedkar uh, nehru gandhi uh, sardar patel you know one was gandhi was a baniyam nehru was a brahman uh, ambedkar was a dalit and sardar patel was a shudra they all put democratic system in place with a written constitution like america but this unreforming religious practice take for example in shudra society we never stop our women interacting with uh, divine agencies uh, in any age whether they are uh, in the menstruating time or whether they are old women they are young girls uh, they have a right to engage with and the man woman relationship is very very democratic they will have to work together in the fields but the muslim society by imposing uh, overdress what i call either hijab or burqa and uh, suspect their uh, man woman relationship always in terms of uh, sexual life is a big hurdle in the in a country like india where agrarian production is the key for human survival and development similarly brahmanism is a big hurdle because they to have a key anti production uh, cultural uh, heritage and cultural life even the texts do not recommend uh, that you know uh, touching the soil tilling the land making the pot looking after sheep goat is a divine divinely acceptable task so though quran has certain dignity of labor within itself but the mullahs remain uh, uh, against you know human equality and dignity of labor as a person who has come from the shudra productive communities i see both these cultures as a big problem and that is where i think india could not produce uh, uh, high quality 
uh, scientific brains, uh, in spite of the fact that India has 207 years English education to begin with during the colonial period, and uh, the linkages to Britain and uh, later on Europe, and then now exposure to America and migration and so on. So I find that unlike the Christian society, which went uh, uh, re reform after went through reform after reform after Martin Luther and engaged with scientific production and struggled uh, about the issues of man woman equality and the democratic food culture and training of children, boys and girls, to be uh, equal in the civil society. Uh, in India, where there are four religions in existence, in, ma in major way, in fact, with Sikhism five, uh, Hinduism, which is controlled by Brahmin priests, as the book shows, their physical presence is exactly like on the cover uh, presentation. Then you have uh, Muslims, about 14, 15 percent, massive number, 200 million people. But the Mullahism does not allow women to get into masjid, pray along with men, and then there is this, you know, control. And then we have uh, a Buddhism, which has only main-centered monk monkism even, even now. Uh, though it historically it respects dignity of labor, production, Buddha himself was uh, very positive about man-woman uh, equality and relations. Then you have the Indian Christianity. Here the Catholicism uh, operates more or less like Brahmanism. You know, that is uh, my main problem. Uh, so the Protestantism has definitely an uh, uh, opened uh, life and uh, engagement with all kinds of cultures and so on. But Catholicism has this, uh, you only, you know, men separate Jesuitism and women separate nunism and so on. And then we have Sikhism. So all these complications are creating constant cultural battles. I, I, I want to ask a, a I, I am learning so much here. I could listen, I could listen to you for hours, and 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 everyone should should um, uh, read all of your books, but particularly the, the the class of cultures because I I always hear about the clash of civilizations as, as I travel around the world, um, and I I've always not felt like that was I, I couldn't quite diagnose it, but it's it's just like something missing in that construct, and and what you're talking about here, um, you know, it it uh, it helps me think about it differently, but. Um, but I, but I do have one like very practical question, um, and maybe you're in maybe you're just mainly focused on diagnosing the problem at this point. But um, but what are what are some of the solutions? They're grand solutions, of course. You know, to to change the whole uh, the, to change the whole dynamic. But sometimes they're simple solutions. You know, as if you're a CEO of a business, or if you're a member of parliament in Europe, or in the United States, or in or in the or in your own country in India. Um, you know, how do we, uh, how do we, uh, correct course before it's, um, before there's any more damage done? No, the course correction process, uh, certainly, uh, uh, is within the constitutional democratic framework. And, uh, 
stabilizing human rights but most discourse uh, about uh, democracy development and capitalism does not relate to the spiritual culture which whether it is in a position to advance the existing democratic constitutional uh, course of uh, march of history or there are hurdles in its course and if the hurdles are constantly clashing like what is happening in india between the hindutva agenda of anti uh, islam anti muslim and the mulla cultural system that got stuck uh, with medievalism and pre medievalism now there is a possibility of constant uh, uh, civil strifes that may lead to a kind of civil war is possible i have seen in my own life that several uh, massacres rioting's whether it is of gujarat 2002 or in 1986 or 1990 and the uh, terrorist kind of bombings across this country in the world uh, so these are problems that is that are cropping up you know i constantly see why there is violence no doubt uh, even in america young people go into uh, institutions and shoot several people at one go and so on but certainly there is no terrorism structural base in the christian world yeah and there is no terrorism structural base in the buddhist world uh, even if you see uh, japan korea uh, singapore or uh, or uh, china or any of the buddhist but uh, here in islamic system and to some extent the brahmanic system violence uh, still persists and it at times it uh, really becomes a kind of you know complete destructive process so we see english medium education for all indians is a way out because uh, the broken down uh, communication through regional languages uh, 30 regional languages we have recognized and muslims have urdu as a language and there is no proper day to day communication in the working field or in the uh, market or in the mohalla or in the shopping center then uh, the enmity remains where it is so what we thought i think joseph completely agreed with me uh, 25 uh, 28 years back that if india entire india was a muslim christian or buddhist or sikh all of our future generation can communicate in english language with each other though they can use their local languages in their uh, respective uh, uh, regions or provinces uh, that may lead to a kind of spiritual reform because i have seen after english became a prayer language in the west uh 
you know, uh, it it connected many uh, sects of Christianity, and then the discourse got exchanged between even Catholicism, Protestantism, between Britain, France, Italy. You know, the Greek and Latin kind of languages disappeared. Now America, Canada, Australia, the technological new science developments are happening. Concha Alaya uh, Shepherd, uh, you you have uh, you have once again provoked us to think uh, critically and importantly about our world, and uh, and and I hope people listening to us will get the clash of cultures. cultures. Go on Amazon; it's available. Get the book. Thank you very much, Concha. Thank you very much, Joseph, and thank you all. Yeah, thank you, uh, Bishop Bishop D'Souza. I, I uh, we we've had a lot of these. Um, Really fascinating conversations now uh, on, on Babel and Dan, um, and, and this this certainly was one of them. You, you've known Kanchi Alaya uh, for for many 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 years. He's known you. It was a joy for me to hear him complimenting you, the two of you as advocates uh, together, um, working together to make the world a better a better place. But there's there's a lot from this conversation to take away. Yeah, and and uh, when it's all done, and you know, babe, uh, this broadcast and all. Uh, uh, Kancha, of course, is a historical figure now, uh, and this podcast will have value beyond its time. Uh, people will be reading, writing on his thoughts and his contribution, etc. But what I take away from him is how he believes that reform is linked to spiritual revolution. People normally think reform is linked to political revolution, but he thinks it's spiritual revolution and the idea of God. And I think our hearers need to listen that he is coming from an Asian context, not coming from your modern or postmodern enlightenment. For us, God is normal. Hmm. We, we don't need to be, we don't argue about the existence of God. It is a part of our reality. So that's where, you know, he doesn't deal whether God is there or not. That's not a no issue. That's an, non-issue for him, but what he's concerned is, is this the right God for my people? I think this is a uh, interesting conversation. No, it's, it, 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 I really enjoy putting my head, my mind, in the mind of, of, of people outside of my context, and, um, you just, and you just learn so much. You think of the world differently, and, and, and one, of the th- one of the thoughts that occurred to me was, like, everything that I believe is because of, because of reform. It is. It's uh, you know, I'm 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 an evangelical. I come down the Protestant uh, line, you know, in the Protestant Reformation. That whole that whole track all the way down. And um, you know, I'm the product of reform. And yet, I, I wonder how I think about reform in no. my own <laughs> in my own in my own life. And, the, uh, and to and to hear someone hear someone like him, um, clearly clearly a genius and a historian and a philosopher and scholar of, of, of all sorts. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read the book. Thank you for joining us today for Babel Undone. If this conversation had you thinking, then why don't you share it with someone else? For more episodes of Babel Undone or other amazing content that helps Christians live out their faith, you should head over to premiere.plus. That's Premier, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, for the Americans listening in, dot plus.